Welcome to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm your host, Marie Wold, health and fitness influencer, coach, and lifestyle entrepreneur committed to educating and empowering women to become their very best selves. Each week, my guests and I are proving that with hard work and the right mindset, absolutely anything is possible. We are here to bring you not just inspiration, but also actionable takeaways that you can use to create a life that you love right now. We're talking all things personal development, including health, fitness, confidence, relationships, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. You're listening to episode number 40 of the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. Have a pen handy today because this week's guest will be bringing you one of the most quotable episodes you have ever listened to, and I know that you'll want to come back to the insights she shares again and again. Today, we have the one and only Jasmine Starr on the show, who is a photographer, entrepreneurial educator, and business strategist from Newport Beach, California. Jasmine has a super cool story that we'll get into a little bit during the interview, but essentially, she is a master at making big moves to pursue big dreams, including dropping out of law school to pursue photography when she hadn't even learned how to use a camera yet. Little risky, maybe, but her life and empire are nothing short of an inspiration and proof that with hard work and the right mindset, absolutely anything is possible. In under three years, she has built an internationally renowned business and graced the pages of Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Inc. magazine. Jasmine empowers entrepreneurs to build a brand, market it on social media, and create a life that they love. But whether you're an entrepreneur or just looking for encouragement to make your own big dreams a reality, I know you're going to love this episode. Before we get into the show, let's do the review of the week, though. This one is from A. Trupp, and she said, Favorite podcast, five stars. I absolutely love Marie's shows. She is so authentic and original. She brings on experts that add to her knowledge and help me make my decisions and think about my health and fitness in different ways. Her podcasts are my Sunday slash rest day entertainment while I go for a walk. It helps me clear my head from the past week and look forward to the week ahead. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us, Atrup. I'm not sure what your real name is, but username is Atrup. And it's so cool to know that I'm a part of your Sunday self-care routine. I really can't get over the fact that I get to hang out with ambitious, amazing women all around the world while they're going for walks, driving, working out, folding laundry, doing anything really. And I'll never, ever take that for granted. So thank you for being here. And as a thank you for your view, Ashrup, I would love to send you a limited edition Grind and Be Grateful t-shirt as a sign of my gratitude. So if you're listening, please DM me on Instagram at Marie E. Wold and tell me your size and address so I can get that set out to you. If you're listening right now and you're not the review of the week, you can get a chance to be featured next week and receive a limited edition Grind and Be Grateful t-shirt of your own by leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes. I know you probably always tell yourself, oh, I'll do it next time, or my review probably doesn't really even make a difference, but it really only takes one minute and means the absolute world to my team and I. You guys don't even see it, but this podcast truly takes a village, and there's an entire team of people working on it behind the scenes. So every rating and review helps support all the work that my team puts in, and if you don't want to do it for me, then do it for them, okay? All you have to do is head on over to iTunes on your phone or computer, find the ratings and reviews tab, and let us know how we're doing. It is truly, truly appreciated. If you guys didn't know, 
I have an Instagram account. It's Marie E. Wold. That's my handle. And if you follow me there, you know I am always wearing glasses in my Instagram stories, especially at night. And that's because I am protective AF about my eyeballs. I only have one set. And listen, I have 20-20 vision, knock on wood, and I would like to keep it that way. So when I started learning about the effects of this thing called blue light, I immediately hopped on the blue light blocking glasses train, and now I am straight up obsessed with wearing them. Like I am obsessive about it. When I forget to wear them, I feel the eye strain, I feel the fry eye, and I notice how much screens affect me. But then as soon as I pop the glasses back on, it just feels like a deep breath, but for my eyes. Like it's this huge relief. And that's because blue light is a very harsh and damaging type of light. And it mainly comes from the screens that we use between our phones, our computers, our TVs. We're looking at screens all day, every day. We even have screens on our treadmills, right? So that is a ton of blue light exposure for our delicate little eyeballs if we aren't protecting them. So I started doing some research and trying on different brands. I think I've tried four or five at this point. And a couple of weeks ago, I actually met the owner of a blue light blocking glasses company called Classy Network which is a female-led company that makes blue blocking glasses. And after chatting with her, I knew my search for the perfect glasses was over. They're super cute with a few different styles and colors to choose from to fit like any face shape, any style. The lenses aren't orange like you see in a lot of blue blocking glasses. And the company is just super aligned with what I believe in, which is empowering women to live their happiest and healthiest lives possible. Plus, it's always a huge bonus to support a small women-led business. So if you want to check out Classy Network Glasses, and grab a pair for yourself to protect your eyeballs too, then my favorite ones are the clear ones in the signature classy style, by the way. You can do so by going to the URL bit.ly slash Marie Classy, and that's classy with a K. So it's B-I-T dot L-Y slash Marie K-L-A-S-S-Y. And you can use code Marie to save 10% on your order. I know you're going to love them as much as I do. And I know that your eyes will feel the difference, especially if you're on screens a lot like I am. Now, without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Hey, Jasmine. Thank you so much for being on the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm super excited to have you. I am so honored and I am excited to get this party started. Heck yes. So you are a business strategist, photographer, and just like a full-time creative hustler. And guys, if you don't know who Jasmine Starr is, you better be finding her on the gram right now. But I also know that you did not start here, nor did anyone who has massive success like you. So can you tell us just who you are, where you started out, and how you rose to where you are now? Absolutely. But please, I'm going to give you an abbreviated version. So feel free to ask any questions to fill in the gaps. So the story really starts in 2005. I was at UCLA Law School here in Los Angeles, and I spent my life and academic career thinking that's what I need to be and that's where I need to go. But in all actuality, it was like life was guiding me in a different direction if I had just paid attention to the clues. And then it wasn't until life grabbed me by the shoulders and shook me real hard and said, hey, life is short. 
are you sure this is what you want to do? And that only happened when my mom had a relapse of brain cancer and the news hit us really hard. And the doctors had said her time had come and she'd been battling for eight years at this time. And we were kind of like her time had come. And the one thing I knew more than anything was that I wanted her to see me get married. I had a long-term boyfriend by this time. And I had said, I think that I need to take a break from school. I need to get married and I need to be with my mom in her final days. And what ended up happening was that her life showed me how beautiful it is to live fully and wholly. And against all of the doctor's orders and speculations of like, she won't be able to walk and she won't be able to talk and she won't be able to do all these things. And my, at the time, fiance and I said, we want to get married in Hawaii and there's just going to be 20 of us and we want to get married on the beach. And I said, I believe my mom is going to be there. And against all odds, she got on a plane and her and my dad walked me down the aisle. And it was literally like when people say it was the best day of my life, I'm like, it was the best day of my life. And I came back home after our honeymoon and it was time for me to make a decision to go back to law school. And I think that the whole experience, having seen my mom do the impossible multiple times in her life, made me realize that I was going to choose the safe path. And the safe path was to be secure and do something really predictable by becoming a lawyer. But I was like, I'm 25 years old and my mom is 50. I feel like I'm having a live midlife crisis and I'm telling myself, I don't want to die a lawyer. That was just the whole thing of it. And I'm really happy to say that years later, my mom defied the odds and she is still here with us. And it has been like a total wake up call. But when people ask, okay, well, how did you get here? I probably got here after learning the power of saying no to the safe and predictable and saying yes to the unexpected, the scary and the oh so rewarding. Yeah. So at this point, you have just jumped in headfirst to a lot of different things and you just show up for stuff, even if it's scary. And you just like, you almost seek out the scary, right? Because that's where the magic happens. And that's something that I see in a lot of what you create, a lot of your interviews. So I first heard you speak at Pace to Be Brave last year and I loved your energy, loved your message. So of course I was like, where can I find this woman? And stalked your content, found other interviews. And one that I listened to, you said, in order to live big, wild dreams, you have to do big, wild things. And we definitely get a glimpse of that from your original story of quitting law school, following your dreams and doing those things. But have you always been a big dreamer and an action taker? And do you think that that's something that can be taught or does it have to be innate within us already? You are coming in with fire. Like we're not even two minutes in this interview. And I'm like, dang, we got deep. The truest answer is, let me start here. One of the people who I find so wildly inspiring is Brené Brown. And when she speaks, it's like she's speaking to the inside of me, turning me inside out, causing me to question and identify and defend who I am. And she made a reference to this idea of gold-plated grit. And gold-plated grit is when after something has happened, and we've already gone through the ugly, dirty, scary part, we can look back and be like, oh, that one time that I had this really difficult experience and now I'm so much better because of it. I think that when she refers to gold-pitted grit, I think there's this temptation that people can look at me now and I could even lead people to believe in the story of the gold-pitted grit. Like, yes, I actively seek out scary moments and every morning I eat fear for breakfast. And the, the truth of the matter is that's not the case. And my entire life I had spent it actively avoiding fear, actively avoiding change, actively avoiding being vulnerable and susceptible and open. Because I think being the daughter of an immigrant and my father living on the periphery, it really causes you to see the world from the outside perspective. And it's like, how hard do I have to work to go 
unnoticed. It was my biggest objective. And it wasn't until I was around 25, 26 when I had actively made the declaration of saying, I'm not going to be afraid anymore. I'm not going to actively seek out safety. I'm going to actively pursue things that inspire me and challenge me. And if they happen to be scary, that's okay too. But I'm going to choose because I live one wild and crazy life. And the decisions we make that empower us to live that wild and crazy life do require us to make the cognizant decision to say, I will actively avoid the safe and ardently pursue the passionate. Mm, yeah, I that that decision is a defining moment. But I think it's also something that you have to choose every single day. Once you make that decision, it's not like you just flip the switch and it becomes your new kind of mode of operation. It's like an everyday choice. So you would say that it's like something that can be learned then it's not something that you have to be born with. I actually think that there are two types of people. I mean, I don't know. I grew up watching MTV and there's all these really cool like daredevil shows and women and men who are living on the edge and actively pursuing that and possibly think that they were born with like a proclivity to doing the scary and challenging. I was not that person. And I just think that that's part of the reason why a small group of people really connect with me because they look and they see me actively choosing a path that is unsafe and unsecure and yet deciding to smile through it all. And people can say, well, if that hot mess of a girl can do it, I think I can do it too. And I think that that's the story. That's the story. The story is that there's a group of people who aren't as qualified and aren't as fearless and aren't as courageous. And yet we continue to show up as a wild renegade of people who are just making small steps every day to live a life that they're passionate about. And if that's where I identify and those are my people, all I have to say is hell yes to that. Hell yes. Yes, that is awesome. So with your audience that you've built, with the career that you've built, the business you've built, you obviously took daily steps to lean into the passion, lead into the wild. And if fear came with it, then awesome. So when you dropped out of law school, rewinding a little bit, how did you decide what your next direction was? You know, I stayed directionless for a while. And there's a part of me, half of me wants to say, well, you know, Marie, I just, I woke up one morning and then I just knew when I was eating my Wheaties that this was my life's calling. Like, I believe that there are some people where it hits them like that. I have just, my entire life, nothing has ever hit me like a ton of bricks to be like, hey, this is the thing I'm supposed to be doing. It was actually a string of things that I tried and tested and it took me a few months to actually have the courage to actually admit what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a photographer, but I didn't have a camera. That's like the same as like, I want to circumnavigate the globe on water and not have a boat. It's kind of like, well, okay. And, you know, I told my brand new husband, we'd been married less than two weeks when I got the letter from UCLA saying, hey, you have to come back to school. And he said, if you could do one thing for the rest of your life and be happy, what would it be? And I said, I want to be a photographer. And instead of somebody else being like, well, that's silly or that's weird or that's strange or that's stupid, he did the thing that I think is the greatest gift that anybody has ever given me. And he held space for me to dream a crazy dream and say, what if? And so in Christmas 2005, I unboxed my very first digital camera, but I didn't open it until January 1st, 2006, because I was like, 2005 was just a crappy year. If I open my camera, there's like a lot of bad juju that's going to come with it. So I was just like, January 1st, this is my year. This is my rebirth. And 
even at that time, my husband and I had discussed that I was going to try it a year. And we did not have any money. We shared a car. It was like a 2002 Honda Accord with an oxidized hood and rip seats. And he would drive to his startup job. And then I would drive to a part-time job. And our big nights out were at Taco Bell. And that was just what we did because all he said was, try it for a year and see what happens. And so when people really ask how long did the iteration process take for you to actually consider it as a possibility, just me considering it as a possibility took anywhere from 12 to 14 months. So it took you a while to kind of gather your courage, gather your game plan and really take that first big step. But I think for anyone that has built a successful business and worked a ton on themselves, the more you do it, the shorter that time frame is where you're mustering up your courage, getting your shit together, and then finally taking action. Have you found that that time frame gets shorter and shorter and shorter the more big risks you take? Absolutely. And I don't think they get shorter as a result of you trying a lot. I think they get shorter once you realize that you are the captain of your ship and you have the power of your destiny. And I feel like the thing that failure has taught me, I actually, I don't believe in failure. I know that sounds super Hallmark commercial, but I don't. I believe that every decision I've ever made has led me to making better decisions. So it was like, I'm learning lessons. So for every big monumental lesson I had to learn, I knew how to make subsequent and concurrent decisions later in a much quicker way because I was like, oh, I've been here. I've danced the waltz with fear and doubt in a very similar way. And I've always come out the lead. I'm going to be okay. And as a result of believing that, believing that success is a foregone conclusion, that you can make decisions without sitting in that middle purgatory of what if, what if, what if. I just think make the decision and fix it, make the decision and fix it and make the decision and fix it until you actually are where you want to be. Right. It's like that messy action where action brings you clarity and the more you sit in the suck of uncertainty, the more momentum you lose. Once you start and take that first step, you go downhill in a good way. Like you build momentum as you go. Absolutely. And one time I had heard somebody speaking and they said, well, because I I was at this point, like I was in this fog in between. I was pivoting careers. I wasn't sure if this was. And every morning I would get up and I would pray and I would pray for clarity. I was like, God, I just want clarity. (laughs) Give me a sign. Exactly. Right. Like I want a talking donkey. I want a bus to run over my left foot. I want something big. And it wasn't until I heard somebody say like, clarity comes by way of action. Oh, action that awful beast that I have to learn how to love. And the more I fall in love with doing, the clearer the picture becomes. So how did you know that you wanted to be a photographer if you didn't have a camera beforehand to take action with? So that's a really great question. In college, I went to a liberal arts college and they didn't have a photography department, but I had always loved photography and you were able, they said that they have like a dark room. It's actually a storage closet, like a janitorial closet that they turned into like a dark room. And so they would have film cameras that you can rent. And there was also this tiny little camera shop. I went to Whittier College in the city of Whittier, California. And at the time they had this camera shop in Uptown that you could rent. And so I would load film and I would take pictures on film and I would develop them myself. And then I took every film class They offered one film class every other semester, every other year. (laughs) So I took those classes and I knew I loved it. But as a first generation Latina, as a first generation college student, it's like, how do you tell your parents, hey, I want to be a starving artist? So I just took the safe route. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a degree in business and then I'm going to go to law school. And this is how I transcend the social stratosphere from going from poverty into middle class. And I just realized that I could actually transcend that level without having to do education and do it on my own terms. 
So then with that journey, obviously it's been a long road and with the growth of your business and with the growth of you as a human, they always are kind of going in tandem, right? Like you have to be developing and growing as a person in order to be able to support the growth of your business. And I think that can actually be one of the most challenging and tiring parts of being an entrepreneur. So what would you say is your number one strategy or advice to someone to develop that grit and kind of that emotional stamina to keep going and following their passion even when it's really hard? Again, I wish I had some like really cool Pinterest worthy inspirational quote. <laughs> I only have my truth. And my truth is that my entire life, I live in more fear of not doing what I believe I've been called to do. The fear is greater to live a life that is half filled instead of trying my best and learning lessons and failing along the way to live a life that has the potential to be fully filled. So to talk to somebody about like, how do you flex that muscle? Like, how do you develop grit? You just get up again and again, knowing that the hope of getting better and the hope of doing what you want to do is greater than the safety and comfort of doing something that doesn't give you life. That was so Pinterest worthy. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's see. Let's see if that makes Pinterest. (laughs) I will make that into a Pinterest graphic for you because that was gold. Yeah. I mean, everyone's always looking for the quick fix or the one secret or the one thing that will like change the game for them. And as much as I would love to give them that, and I'm a wellness coach, so as much as I would love to give people the one hack to give them the body of their dreams or the one hack to make going to the gym so easy and all those things, that never exists for anything. Like there's no one quick fix or one thing that gives you the breakthrough. And in any field, I feel like it's just the repetition of trying again and showing up again. I mean, if there's literally one thing, people often ask, what do you think attributes the most to your success? And I will look at them and say, it is nothing but the idea that I am undauntingly and unrelentlessly consistent. I'm not the best photographer. I'm not the best writer. I don't have the best hair or the smallest waist or the coolest car or the nicest zip code. I don't have a private jet. My life isn't Instagrammable, but dang it, I know how to show up. And I know how to show up every single day. And that alone, if it's going to the gym, if it's drinking another cup of water, if it's posting on Instagram, is it making the dedication for 10 minutes to wake up every single morning and do something that puts you in the right headspace? That, my friends, is what's going to win the marathon. It's not the sprint of, oh, I just went to the gym every day for five days. Okay, how about we multiply that times 50 and then let's chat. Yeah, I always tell people you're building a house when you have any big goal, right? So you're trying to build this massive, amazing, beautiful house and you don't build a house in five days. You build a house brick by brick by brick and it's like this long process and you have to have a lot of attention to detail and you have to have a solid foundation. There are all these steps and you're not going to build a house by having your construction crew come off and on for five days once a month or something like that. They have to show up every day and you have to have the hammer, the nails, the wood, the foundation, like everything needs to be there. I mean, it's, it's hard to build a house for sure, but you have to be patient. And would you say that your passion and just your dedication to the dream is what keeps you leaving your comfort zone and keeps you showing up every day? Or like, what do you remind yourself of to help you keep getting up even when you don't feel like it? Wow. I mean, it's so odd because I want to vocalize and say, 
exactly what you said to me. I want to mirror that answer. But if I were to like dig really deep, I think the thing that really pushes me from my innermost steps on like the hardest days is that I know people that I care about are watching. And I know that every day that I get a little bit of success is that they taste the success, even if it's their own or they're not. When they see somebody else who's coming from nothing and being able to make magic, it makes room for them to believe that they can do the same. And I feel like if I were to stop, how many people would just look at the situation and say, well, if it didn't work for her, then it wouldn't work for me. And that's the last thing I would ever want anybody to think. Yeah, that's so true. And it applies to anyone. You don't have to have and following on Instagram or a podcast with a bunch of listeners, every single person has influence within some sort of circle. And by you giving up on yourself, that gives other people kind of permission to give up on them too in a kind of weird way. Absolutely. And when we talk about social influence, this is definitely not about vanity metrics because the impact that you have on the people that are closest to you, because they see you, they know you, they smell you, they touch you. The people that you are waking up every day to not let down could be your partner, your parent, your children, your best friend, a neighbor, a coworker. So it's not in any way, shape or form limited to like, oh, how many Instagram followers I have. Although for some people that does matter. And I do want to stand a testament, but the people who I really want to show up for are the people who are closest to me. So anybody who's listening is literally for the five people that are closest to you and anybody beyond that is definitely a bonus. Yeah, definitely. And so when you're showing up every single day, when you're putting in the work every single day, we are channeling hustle, girl boss, getting it done vibes, which is really important. You have to have that great. You have to continue working hard and showing up, but not without our own personal checks and balances, which I'm sure you've learned that you need to work smarter in a world with constant information and trends and influence. So how have you been able to I guess I kind of hate the word balance, but how have you been able to find your sweet spot for grit, hustle, working hard, but then also being smarter and more efficient and still living your life? You know, and I never thought as a creative, like as somebody who like, I'm going to sleep with my camera and I'm going to travel the world and I'm going to sleep in like a hut and just document life. For me now running a successful business, I never thought to myself that the key to balance would be organization and dedication to staying on a schedule. But that is one thousand percent the biggest gift that I have given myself as a person, myself as an entrepreneur, but also myself as a business partner. I work with my husband and my best friend, my high school sweetheart. And it is so tempting to work all the time together because we're home. And so the sweet spot is I create a daily timeline that is fastidious. And so if somebody were to see this on my post-it note, they would be like, girl, you need to see a shrink because why are you from like 251 to 307? I'm like, literally every minute is accounted for. But On the same way, I close my computer at 6.30 every day and I get to go out to dinner with friends and not care about what's going on in work and life. And there are times, like even today, I took a one and a half hour lunch break to catch up with an industry peer and be like, this is life on my own terms. And the only way I'm able to be this decadent is because everything is planned and organized down to a science. Right. So much discipline and structure in one area of your life gives you so much freedom and flexibility in another. 
okay, show off. So smart. So <laughs> right. So amazing. What took me five minutes to say, you say it in five seconds. No, Go on, I'm, Marie. I'm just the summary oh, girl. <laughs> I love it. I wish you could walk. My husband would love having a conversation because it takes me like 12 minutes to tell him a story. And he's just like, wait a minute. So you're just basically said you crossed the street. And it took me 12 minutes. <laughs> so he would love a conversation with you. Storytelling is <laughs> such an important art. You got to build the bridge, lead someone over it. You know how it goes. I'm going to make JD listen to this. I was like, see, baby, I'm a storyteller. Get it right. Yeah. I'm a professional storyteller. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. <laughs> so with storytelling, obviously that goes a lot into like content creation, which you are a queen at. And so having your whole day, I guess not your whole day because you have a rock solid schedule, but having that part of your day revolve a lot around Instagram, digital marketing, content creation, showing up for people. I'm sure that can get overwhelming and you probably haven't always had such a great disciplined approach to your schedule. So how are you able to like pull back from the grind mode? Let me start with this question. Were you ever a workaholic? Did you ever struggle with setting boundaries that you have now? Oh, a thousand percent. Anybody who's starting their career, it's like you have this rebirth. You have this opportunity to be like, I'm redefining who I am. I'm putting on a new skin and I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that this absolutely wins. And it was a year two in my business where I was just I wasn't quite full-time in my business and my husband wasn't quite full-time in our business. And so we were both working on our own things in addition to the business. And I would come home after work and I would just sit in front of my computer and I would edit photos and I would watch tutorials. And it was all under the auspice of, I'm doing this for us, babe. I got this. This is what we're going to do. So after work, we would have dinner, we would clean up, and then I would lock myself in my office for like two or three hours and I would walk downstairs in our tiny condo and he'd be asleep on the couch and then I'd wake him up and we'd go to bed and then we'd start the grind all over again. And I remember distinctly one night getting a phone call. It was close to midnight from a friend and they had said that they had rushed her husband to the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota because he had bumped his head and they found out that he had an inoperable brain tumor. And she called and she said, I don't know what to do. I don't know how this happened. I don't know how I let it get to this point. And I was like, you're not responsible for this. And she said, no, I've just spent so much time in my business that if I could take anything back, it would be all the days, the nights, and the hours that I spent away from him. And in that moment, I know it was about her and I couldn't help but internalize and say, I am in that same struggle. And at the end of the conversation, I was trying to be as empathetic as possible, offering words of support, saying a prayer. And I said, is there anything else I could do? And she said, can you just tell JD that you love him and can you hug him? And even as I tell this story right now, like I get a lump in my throat because I was like, dang it, like life is so short. And I knew this when I started my business, having seen my mom battle two forms of brain cancer. And I walked downstairs and I sat next to him on the couch and I said, I am so sorry. I am so sorry that I let this business become more important than the most important thing in my life. It was like this whole reconciling. And after that, then I put very strict parameters as when is work time? Because work will always be there. Like live into your own devices and my own devices. We would probably work 24 hours a day. Like we like it. We love what we do. This is what we want to do, but it's not healthy and it's not there. It's not good for the people that we love. Right. Okay. So for you, it was another big wake up call and it was, you were able to kind of switch on a dime and create those boundaries. But for someone that maybe struggles to do that and they haven't had such a huge shift mentally yet, what would be one way that they can create more boundaries and move towards more structure and kind of shut off that you have now? Oh my gosh, again, another techie answer and I don't care. Think about dying. Maybe I'm morbid. 
actually, my parents did say that I was a really melancholic kid and really morbid because <laughs> every time my parents left, I would be like, you're going to die. You're going to die. Like I've been like this since I was a kid. But holy God, talk about being grounded. I wake up in the morning and I think to myself, if my mom were to die today, did I call her and tell her I love her? Did I send my dad a text or a really funny meme? Did I tell my sister how much she meant to me? Did I apologize for the thing that I said over dinner the night before? And like as morbid, as tacky as that sounds, my God, my God, if I were to die or somebody in my family were to die, I could look back and say, I did everything I could. And I think that that's the thing that keeps me grounded is I think about like, what kind of last day do I want to live in this world and how do I want to spend it and who do I want to spend it with and what are the words I want to say is my last words to these people. Again, super morbid, not Pinterest worthy, but it's my truth. <laughs> no, that's a great truth. And it's, it's real talk. That is what works for you. And that keeps you humble. When you think about, is this how I want to go out? I personally don't want to go out knowing that I worked like 12 hours yesterday or that I like skipped quality time with my human because I had to like finish a blog post or, you know, something like that. And so that makes total sense. And like as much as we want the answer of, oh, I use time blocking and I have Mondays be my photography days and Tuesdays be my blah, blah, blah. Like that helps in a way, but that's not going to apply to everyone. But fear of dying and disappointing everyone that you love <laughs> definitely applies to everyone. Yeah. Basically, listen to this podcast because we're going to scare you straight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. That was great. Loved it. But I want to also shift into a little bit of personal branding stuff, too, because that's very much your jam. And so one thing I've noticed about your personal brand is unlike a lot of business coaches and educators and stuff like that, you you are always talking about like your lifestyle, your personal beliefs, just the day to day, which I love. And so I was wondering, do you feel like that has strengthened your relationship with your audience and your clients slash customers and all the people that work with you? 1000%. And if you want me to dive deep, I can absolutely dive deep. Like what is going to be the most valuable and beneficial? Because girlfriend, we could talk about this legitimately for days. And I think that the short answer, and then you could pick it apart and ask great questions because that's what you do. The short answer really boils down to understanding early on that a brand was an experience. I had no money. I didn't have any education. I didn't even know a single person in my entire life who had started a business. I grew up in a really blue, 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 blue collar, government-issued food neighborhood, and starting a business was not something that people in the hood did. And so this idea that a brand was an experience was something that became really tactile to me because I couldn't afford a logo and I couldn't afford a website and I couldn't afford fancy paper goods and business cards that people told me I needed. But the minute Seth Godin described a brand as a series of experiences that empower one consumer to choose a business over another, I realized I can win on experience and you can win on experience and people can win on experience because it is their own experience. What business coaches rely on are like this formulation and I was accredited and I went to this retreat and I have a diploma. And then like what photographers depend on, I have this camera, I use these presets, I have this lens, I have this computer. And I'm like, guess what, boo-boo? They all do. So the more you talk about the thing that makes you the same as everybody else, the less appealing you are. What can you compete on that nobody else has? Your head, your brain, your eyes, your hands, your spirit, all of those things are non-compete. So play to your strengths, not the thing that makes you the same as everybody else. 
That goes into the whole, oh, it's already saturated limiting belief too, because yes, there might be a lot of people doing what you want to be doing, but none of them are you. None of them have your unique life experiences, your unique voice, your unique perspective. That is why you have to show up so authentically you and share so much about you, because that's pretty much, like you said, the only thing that's really, truly going to set you apart. And one thing to consider too is as we're talking about branding and that parlays obviously into social media is that we have to understand that our business, our brand will go farther with 100 people who genuinely care about what we do and engage with us than a thousand people who passively scroll on by. The minute we just say, I believe that, it becomes a game changer. It's freedom, it's empowerment, but better than anything else, it's freaking profitable. That, my friends, is when we realize that there's riches in the niches of people who care about you, then you're done. You've won. You've won. You don't care about the strangers on the internet that you're trying to impress when the people who really dig who the hell you are were actually willing to pay to get to know you better, invest in your product or service. So bye. Get it right. Get it right. Bye, haters. Yeah. (laughs) It's so empowering once you really embrace that and you're like, oh, the more I am who I am, the more I will thrive and succeed and the more I will leave behind the people who aren't with it. When you're yourself, yes, you're going to attract your dream clients and all of the things that you want, but you're also going to repel a lot of people. But at the same time, because you're being authentic and true to you and that feels so good, you almost don't care that you're repelling people and losing followers or people are saying mean things about you. Like it doesn't really matter once you are truly in your truth. I love that you've used the word repel because my entire life, specifically early in my career, that was my mantra, attract or repel. If I am not doing one of those two things at any given point in my career, I've lost. Because the minute you become vanilla, you become forgettable. You're not known for the thing that you want to be known for, and you're not known for the thing that you don't want to be known for. It's better for you to put a stake in the ground and say, this is who I am. This is who I serve. This is what makes me unique. And for anybody else who doesn't want to be here, social media, you came to me. I didn't go to you. If you don't like what you see, you know where the digital door is. You know where that unfollow button is. Absolutely. So, okay, I have a lot of listeners who want to start a business. They want to start showing up as authentically themselves online, and they want to start this journey that you've been on for such a long time, but they're really afraid to transition from using their Instagram as a personal page to becoming a personal brand. So can you explain the difference of just posting on your Instagram to like share photos with your friends versus being and curating a personal brand? The main difference is that you go from a place of pleasure of yourself with a personal account to a place of service of your future customers. The minute you make the decision to use Instagram as part of a business endeavor is the minute you say it is no longer about you and totally and completely about the people you are there to serve. And where there was a time where it was really funny to be posting a series of memes and you at Walt Disney World with the kids and then you eating Cheerios with the cat next to your feet, like those are all great, but they're fun for you. How does it parlay into the thing that you're selling, the lives you want to change, who you want to empower and the value you bring to them as a division of your business? Yeah, that's such an important distinction because I think there's a big misconception that if you're trying to build a personal brand, if you're trying to build a business online, that people who do that are somewhat ego driven 
and they want attention or they just want fans or whatever it is. But in reality, building a personal brand and really being intentional about it is so much less about you than if you're just posting on your personal Instagram. Absolutely. And for people who are caught in the crosshairs and they're like, but wait, I really want to post 57 pictures of my child on her first day of preschool. Great. Do it. I applaud you. Please do it. Please keep that account, rock that out, but then start a separate account that is less about your personal life and more about your business. But I always, always, always say lead with who you are. So even if you have an account that you're using for business, please be sure to add personal elements to your professional profile because that's going to be the defining factor. But what's different between a personal and a business account or an account you're using for business is that you don't have to share all the things. You just have to share some of the personal things. Right. Like you weave in the key facts. Like people who follow me, they know that I love sunflowers. They know that I ride horses. They know that I have a really cute golden retriever, but they don't know every single thing that goes on in my day to day or that I had lunch with my parents this weekend or whatever it might be. So what are your key things that everyone knows you for, but it's not necessarily related to your business? I think people definitely know I'm obsessed with my dog. I am obsessed with my husband. I am obsessed with books. You will find me at least once a week at the beach. And you will know that I <laughs> – it's very annoying. I bring it up all the time. I'm very much basic, but like hashtag gluten-free. Um, <laughs> I am too. <laughs> and you know all your friends know about it. Like, God, there goes Marie talking about gluten-free bread again. Um, no, but it's like, you know, these are things that have become important pieces of my identity and allow me to stick out and be my true self. But then I also have found a way to talk about my dog in relation to my business, like how taking him on walks is the thing that balances me, like how working with my business partner. So I am able to talk about things like specifically the decision I made to be gluten-free and I'm not out there being cauliflower pizza y'all it's more of like how it makes me feel as a business owner what are the changes that's made in my life what about the discipline that it takes and things like that so I'm finding a way to share personal elements but also loop it back to my profession isn't it funny how when you're a content creator, you can literally make a relevant life lesson out of every single experience? <laughs> that, we're so annoying. I mean, we're one, we're super gifted and so annoying at the same time. I know. I know. I laugh at myself sometimes. I'm like, am I really trying to make a metaphor out of crossing the street right now? It's not that serious. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, it's like, here's the thing. Are you attracting me or are you repelling me? You better be doing one of those things. True. I don't care. True. Amen. So what is one thing that people can do to get kind of just, like we said, gather their courage to make that leap from just posting on their Instagram as kind of a personal page, kind of a personal brand, and they just want to go full into their brand identity? Where do they start that process? Well, first, they start the process completely away from them. The process has to start with who are you wanting to work with? So taking the time to actually create a dream customer. And perhaps you're just like, I don't know if I want to start a business. Maybe I just want to start a podcast. Cool. Okay. Well, who's your dream listener? Or you identifying that person who you're like, I really would love if this person would want to hire me or listen to my podcast or commission a piece of art or hire me to train them. And when you all of a sudden start getting into their minds, like how do they spend their weekends? How much money do they make? Are they married? Are they single? How old are they? Do they have children? What was their last YouTube search? Where did they go on vacation? Where do they shop for clothes? All of those questions start helping you create an identity of a person. And the minute you know a person, then you know in relation to your business what they're actually looking for on Instagram. Right. Like, why are they on Instagram? Are they searching for smoothie recipes? Are they there to understand what it is to build a personal brand? Are they there because they want to see hashtag 
OOTD, like what is the outfit of the day? Once you know who your person is, then you could say, oh, this person is probably wondering this in relation to my business. So let me create an Instagram post and let me test the waters. Let me test the hashtags. It's literally just about understanding who are you serving? What does that person need? What do they find valuable? And can you speak to them in a way that resonates with them? Then you just test, test, test over a very consistent pattern. Right. Yeah. So it's like reverse engineering. Once you figure out who you want to serve and what impact you want to make, you figure out all of the ground level stuff after that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I also want to stress too that like you don't have to have it all figured out. You just have to have a starting place. Because like we said before, that messy action, just showing up and trying and quote unquote failing and then trying again, that's what's going to get you far rather than agonizing over like, uh, does Debbie, who's 32, does she shop at Walmart or Target? I can't decide. Right. Like, it's not right. <laughs> it's not about getting so perfect and precious about it. It's about having a general idea and then going after it. And here's the thing. There's no such thing as a wrong decision because if in that moment you're in the state of flux and you're like, does she shop at Walmart? Does she shop at Target? I don't know. Choose one. And then if people respond really well, like, oh, that hashtag Target does it again. Oh, Chip and Joanna Gaines line. I just love it. You're like, oh, she definitely shops at Target. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. So much just good information all across the board on productivity, building a personal brand, getting over fear. I feel like we've talked about so much and I want to wrap up your insight on what is your favorite thing about being an entrepreneur slash CEO? And then what is your biggest challenge? Well, let's start with the challenge first, because always about the silver lining. Uh, the challenge is understanding that what got me to this place won't get me to where I need to go. That it's always a constant evolution where I think early in my career, I would be like, I will have made it if I got here. And then all of a sudden, with each of the iterations of here, you realize, oh, I need to change again to get where I want to go. And that constant evolution is exhausting and it's wrought with fear and doubt and questioning. And every time you stand up against those monsters in your mind, the stronger you become and you're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to change again. So I think that's the biggest struggle. The biggest struggle is understanding that there's never a point of arrival. Right. You can't just wait for it to get easier. You're like, God, when is this going to get easier? When is this going to like just run itself, you know? Right. <laughs> when am I just going to get a million dollars every day delivered to me in a check? That's what I would basically want. When is that going to happen? Um, and I think overall, the best part of being an entrepreneur is being able to work when I want, how I want, and where I want. And one time I was speaking to my mentor and I, for the vast majority of my life, I think it naturally happens when you are a daughter of an immigrant, you grew up really poor, is you have a lot of money issues. You have a lot of worry of, well, what if it all goes away one day? And he said, do you know that anything you pursue in your life based on the vast history of what you've created from nothing, you can clearly say to yourself, I am a revenue generator. If everything were to be taken away from me today that I would stand up and I would dust myself off and I would repeat to myself, I am a revenue generator. That's what you've done your whole life and that's what you will continue doing your whole life. And I think that that is one of the, the best and favorite things of being an entrepreneur is the ability to work wherever I want and understand that I am the captain of my ship and the owner of my destiny. Right. Even though you have to work your ass off, you know that everything is within your dominion. It's up to you and you will make or break it and a lot of responsibility, but at the same time, it's also a lot of freedom. Absolutely. Well, with freedom comes high responsibility. So yeah, absolutely. 
Okay. So much good stuff, like I said, but there's one last question because this is a Grind and Be Grateful podcast. We always ask, what is one big goal that you're currently grinding for? And what is one thing that you're hugely grateful for? One big goal we're grinding for is to build out our community of social curator. I provide social media resources for online entrepreneurs to show up on social media every day. And that community has, it's taken my heart and it's taken a hell of a lot of my time too. So what we're grinding for is we really want to build out that community. We would really, really, really want to get to 10,000 members. And that's what our whole team is really pushing for. Super stoked about it. One thing I'm grateful for, my beautiful and amazing husband. I met this man when I was 16 years old and every year he just finds a way to make me fall in love with him. I've made it way out of my league, way out of my league. (laughs) I don't know how he's with me, but I'm like, thank you, babe. Keep on wearing those beer goggles. Keep on those earplugs in. We'll be fine. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I'm sure everyone listening is now like, okay, where can I find her? Where can I get everything that she's all about? So where can they find you? What's your website? Where are your offers? All of that good stuff. Marie, thank you. I really appreciate you just giving me this opportunity and shout out to Kelsey and shout out to you for making this place feel like home. Truly, you guys are freaking rock stars and I make it easy for everybody. I'm on all social platforms at Jasmine Star and at jasminestar.com. Okay, amazing. Guys, go check out Jasmine's content. Give her some love. Tell her thank you for her time and thank you, Jasmine. Super grateful for you and everything that you're doing. You're the best and you're freaking amazing at what you do. Legit. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. I will talk to you guys soon. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for spending your time with me on the Grind and Be Grateful podcast today. I'm super happy that we were able to hang out and share some good vibes today. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take one second to share this episode with someone who you think would love it, whether it's texting it to your friend, linking it on Twitter, or posting a screenshot on your Instagram story. It is all super appreciated. And please leave a short review on iTunes if you're enjoying it. Tell me what you think. Let me know what you want to hear more of this show is for you so your feedback matters plus it would really help me out on my mission to educate and empower women everywhere to become their very best selves thank you again for listening and supporting the show and until next time don't forget to grind to be grateful my friends